Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Tyler Nixon on today's news talk, TNT. Happy Friday, my friends, and welcome to the Tyler Nixon show here on today's news talk, where we're lighting the fuse for freedom. It has been a banner week. Today is, well, Friday, obviously, Friday, February 9th, 2024. And uh, I tell you what, Tucker Carlson did an interview with uh, Vladimir Putin that finally got released last night, and it's been uh, absolutely been poured over by everybody, and everybody's had their comments on it. Certainly on the, I think, the the uh, right wing, the conservative, uh, the, the non-fascist side of the equation, there has been uh, a, a roundly... Uh, uh, the idea that basically this is what journalism is. Tucker Carlson went out and he, he went out on a limb. He, he obviously knew he was going to get flack for this because of the cult of uh, Ukraine, the cult of Zelensky, the cult of anti-Russia, of Russia hatred, of uh, Russophobia that has seemed to have taken over the neocon and uh, Democrat Party, uh, neoliberal, neocon uh, combine that has uh, taken over that entire not only the Democrat Party, but most of our uh, foreign policy establishment at this point. And he, Tucker went in there and knowing he would catch more flack even than he had more to fear from his own people than he did from, frankly, the Russians or from Vladimir Putin. And Putin gave a very, very uh, a brilliant interview in the sense that uh, he just, he struck a balance. And look, I'm, I'm, I have no love for Vladimir Putin, uh, either way, I, you know, just, I don't think this is someone we want to make our enemy, uh, as they are seem intent on doing much less the, uh, the, the Russian state, but this is clearly a very, very, uh, skillful, um, diplomat as well as intellect, as well as thinker, as well as uh, student. He knew his, uh, his country's history and, though it was rather kind of mind-numbing to hear the, hear the past. I mean, obviously he has pride in his nation's history, enough to want to sit and talk about the, the different the, the tribal uh, uh, battles and conflicts and all, the, and, and the, the sort of the intrigues and the back and forth that eventually led to the, the, uh, the combination that is the Russian Federation or is the Russian state, became the country, the nation of Russia. And uh, he, he, in terms of responding to... Uh, Tucker's very frankly direct questions to I have to give Tucker immense credit. There were times when he really pushed on Putin and and you know that that that's an intimidating scenario to sit there in the the belly of the beast so to speak right in the Kremlin with and and uh Putin is the type of leader where there's no nobody uh openly derides this man, nobody mocks this man, certainly not in his own country. And Tucker uh obviously was very calculated and very skilled though about how he pushed back against when Putin wouldn't answer. And you could kind of, it, it was a little difficult with the translator, uh, tr translator really uh, sort of, sort of uh, as a filter for what uh, Putin was saying. But there were times when he said, I thought we were gonna have an intellectual conversation. This isn't gonna be a talk show kind of thing. Um, and I, you could tell there was a little tension there, but, but Tucker didn't yield. And certainly at the end, he pushed for the release of the Wall Street Journal, uh, uh, I guess, journalist or writer, whatever, I'm not sure, capacity he has there, who's being uh, currently held held by the uh, Russians. And look, I, and on every point, you have to give uh, Putin credit. He 
basically was able to to show uh, or point back to the American, again, neocon militarist uh, war uh, industrial complex uh, players who have um, made sure that Zelensky can't negotiate with him, that Boris Johnson got to Zelensky before he would have uh, maybe potentially sat down with the Russians and hammered something out, um, which it just again reflects when when you hear it from Putin himself saying we're we're willing to talk, and at the same time though he's not willing they're not willing to fall on their sword uh, to to salvage the uh, the blunder and uh, of the American foreign policy establishment and these these uh, warmongering lunatics who seem again hell bent on some sort of final conflict with Russia uh, and with uh, Vladimir Putin. And he was not going to be baited into uh, sort of uh, chest beating pronunciations of of pride in his country and that they'll never capitulate. He was just very calm and, and direct about it. And, and again, sort of threaded the needle and really laid out an extremely compelling picture of what our leaders in this country, well, so-called leaders, what the people who control the levers of power and government in this country, what they're neglecting or what they're either either neglecting or willfully and purposely overlooking and denying uh, either out of their, because they're, it, it conflicts with their interests and their interest in weaving a narrative that's convenient to their interests, um, or whether it be that they're actually delusional. They're actually that, they're, they're zealots. Um, I tend to think it has more to do with ulterior agendas and uh, with what's really going on behind the scenes and the, the sort of the center of gravity and the power uh, that they want to deny to uh, Putin, they see uh, for whatever reason, uh, and he had uh, Putin himself had an interesting explanation for it. He said that we spent forty-five plus years, I guess, gearing our entire uh, our military, our intelligence, every aspect of our defense towards uh, Russia as being the enemy, as Russia as being a threat to us. And so he he said that uh, maybe these people who remain institutionally almost as an institutional memory can't rid themselves of the idea that we're, that this, the uh, Russians are not no longer the Soviet Union. They're not a communist dictatorship, uh, certainly an autocratic society. They always have been. And certainly Putin is, uh, you know, president for life, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, the repression there is nothing on the order of what the Soviet Union was. And certainly the aggression towards other countries, uh, towards the, the Eastern Europe uh, uh, the Eastern Bloc is is in no, no again nothing compared to what the uh, Soviets were up to, who had uh, you know sort of the global communist agenda underway, and were absolutely reaching out and subverting uh, every every Western uh, or de democratic society or government uh, that they could, and so in the end, I think uh, it really just put egg on the entire faces of all these people who said we shouldn't hear what Putin has to you know I mean this is like this is so. It's like everything these people do in in this um, this cabal, this power cabal that has taken over the legacy media that is now in control of the Democrat Party, that is now uh, in control of major bureaucracies, uh, frankly, the, not least being like the Department of Justice, amongst others, and, and its appendages. Um, it's, it's as though they're, they're infantile in their approach to things, or certainly juvenile or adolescent in the sense that it's like, they're going to go off and and you know plug their ears and 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 say no 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 and nanny boo boo whatever because they don't want to hear what Putin has to say um, that and uh, uh, equally shocking was Putin's revelation that there's no communication with our between our government and and his uh, his government 
since Biden came to office, he said he, I think he said he congratulated him on his victory. And that was the last there was any, any communication. Um, that is just unacceptable, unacceptable, even in the, the depths of the Cold War uh, with thermonuclear apocalypse as, as a real possibility and missiles pointed directly at each other and, and actual aggression on the ground. I mean, in Berlin, the tensions were unbelievable. You had the wall going up, the Berlin Wall. You had all sorts of flashpoints, Cuba. There were still in the background diplomatic uh, discussions and relations and if only back channel. In fact, that's why the President Kennedy and Robert Kennedy established the, re the red phone, which would directly take them to the Kremlin in the event there was some sort of misapprehension that could potentially spark, a, again, a thermonuclear global apocalypse, God forbid. So the fact that there's no negotiations there's, or no communications whatsoever, the fact that they're so dug in um, and willing to basically uh, just turn so many Ukrainians into uh, into cannon fodder and and draw the entire world potentially into this uh, this this conflict as you know proxies and certainly drive the relationship between Russia and China. It, it is just I mean it, it is uh, it is akin I think it's really just a, a, a an extension of the similar open borders policy policy the open borders criminality that's been foisted on the country by Biden. Uh, and his uh, his flunkies and his henchmen or whatever he doesn't have flunkies he is the flunky but uh, you know this this um, the negligence in every respect the denial of, of reality um, and and again serving ultimately what appears to be an agenda that if you if you didn't think it was accidental it looks like they're trying to uh, subvert and totally destroy the United States as we know it as 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 a nation as a society as a culture as a coherent people, as a cohesive uh, form of government. And um, it's really, it's 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 driving everyone just as we've driven uh, uh, Putin into the arms of uh, Xi Jinping and the Chinese. Everything they're doing on the domestic front with regard to Donald Trump, with regard to uh, the the border policy, with regard to uh, just any number of, um, of, of abuses of power or, or things that they're doing that are outlandish uh, and unprecedented, not to mention, of course, Joe Biden's mental decline uh, are driving voters uh, who already probably had skepticism about, um, you know, how bad could Donald Trump be uh, and sort of went along with the 2020 um, uh, narrative. But but even then, they still didn't get enough people to win. I mean, they had to steal the election through uh, mass voter fraud and all sorts of criminal um, schemes and scams that they ran. Uh, where you have you know 81 million votes that's just unbelievable it's un it's incredible and i don't think anybody believes it when he didn't win any of the bellwether counties that have predicted the presidential uh, are there that's why they are the bellwether counties every president previously has won all of them obama did bush did um and trump did in 2016 and biden only won one out of uh i think it was 16 or so of these counties and yet he won the presidency um Nobody, I, I just don't think anybody believes it. And yet they're facing a situation where they've got, they think, I think they intended for Joe and it, even Joe said it in his first uh, uh, run or in the 2020 run that it, he would just serve one term. Well, folks, they don't know Joe Biden. And I'm going to be discussing this, uh, this issue with my uh, distinguished guest and good friend. And I feel like it's come full circle uh, just to jump out of the topic a little bit here because uh, my guest is gonna be Roger Stone, who is, uh, Roger is a legend. He's an icon. He's become uh, larger than life in, in what he's endured, even past the decades that of, of uh, 
being right in the thick of American politics, right with the great leaders, uh, working for Ronald Reagan's campaign in 1976 and 1980 and 1984, having being a personal confidant uh, to Richard Nixon, President Nixon, and also more than that, a go-between. Um, President Nixon would send Roger out to uh, deliver messages to people where he didn't want to either put it in writing or didn't want to do it over a phone. Uh, sort of an emissary um, a, a communications uh, liaison with great leaders, with the you know, presidents, and uh, and Roger has uh, battled uh, battled all the worst sorts of people in American politics, and they absolutely the the hatred for this man on on the on the radical uh, criminal left is um, it's palpable. And certainly working for him, you could, as I, as I have uh, over the years as, as his counsel, um, we've done some writing together and just generally collaborated. And I'll tell you what, first of all, I can attest that Roger Stone is absolutely an innocent man and Roger Stone did nothing wrong. Uh, being there with him, knowing what went on, what his activities were, what he was up to, and then seeing how it was distorted and, and all, this, all this like phony uh, contrived ginned up a uh, case that they brought against him, which is despicable. And as we see, uh, as and as he said back in, when he's being uh, persecuted from 2018 to roughly late 2020, um, he was just the test case. He was the test subject to see how much they could get away with, how far they could take it. And then they would move it up the chain and right to Donald Trump. And that's exactly what they've done. And Roger predicted that, but uh, he, has, he has endured through that uh, again, and on top of his storied career, he was the first person really to see the potential in Donald Trump and was the first original campaign manager for him when he flirted with it um, in the 1980s and then actually did run a small sort of mini effort in 2000. Uh, and, uh, oh, 1992, there was a sort of a mini campaign. In 2000, there was a, more of a full-throated campaign. But he saw that potential. And I tell you what, I mean, I've... Uh, listen to Roger at, at, in private, and we've had discussions over the years. And I've listened to everything, watch what he says on uh, in public. And he is an oracle. I mean, he really he has been in this game so long. He has an intuitive sense, and when you hear him go through, whether it be the JFK assassination, whether it be discussing uh, ground politics in a certain uh, state or, or jurisdiction, and his he has very much like Richard Nixon did an encyclopedic knowledge of American politics. And he's got the experience to bring it all together and make extremely compelling um, and uh, incisive spot on relevant uh, analysis and uh, uh, predictions. And, and he's more, way more often been uh, right than he's been wrong on anything. And so we're really looking forward to a, a good conversation with him. And uh, it's, I, I'm just, I'm honored to have him on. And uh, it'll, it's great because I started, he, we met through when I first had this show, the Tyler Nixon show on WGMD, a, an FM terrestrial station in Delaware, where I uh, launched the show uh, back in around early 2014. And I had him on to discuss uh, the, his book coming out at that time, Nixon Secrets. And we, we became uh, friends and just continued working with each other. So it's, uh, it's, it's really gratifying to have him back on now that the uh, Tyler Nixon show has been relaunched here on the, today's news talk. Um, real quick, Julian Assange's uh, public hearing uh, for uh, appealing his um, the determination that he would be extra, uh, extradited or would be uh, would have to stand for extradition uh, to the United States uh, is coming up. It's been scheduled for the 20th and the 21st in the UK High Court. Um, and TNT is going to be there on those days at the courts of justice 
covering this uh, uh, this this major event um, in international uh, journalism and and frankly in human rights and human freedom. And uh, there will be uh, interviews around London uh, and analysis uh, during those two days, the twentieth to twenty first, and might extend a little further than that. Even um, Julian Assange is a hero. This is a major. Uh, a major major story and a, and a major event, I think. And, uh, you know, p- those of us who uh, sadly really support him are pulling for his not being extradited to our own country, which, uh, you know, saddens a lot of us because our country is, has become such a police state in so many ways and is so abusive of journalists that Assange is better off staying out of the country and not being extradited to us, uh, to this country. So uh, today's news talk will be covering that. Uh, you know, TNT lights the lighting the fuse of freedom here and uh coming up i will have roger stone joining me and uh it'll be a rollicking conversation for sure and we appreciate you tuning in don't go away tnt's mark morano this just in we have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways streets and other public areas yes ladies and gentlemen this appears to be the most effective way we have, a, uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't want to see protests shut down, but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Tyler Nixon Show. It's Friday, uh, February 9th, 2024. And as I mentioned, I'm honored to have uh, my friend and client and someone who I have great respect for as uh, an oracle of American politics, as I had uh, praised him up and down in the uh, previous segment my good friend, Roger Stone, who I uh, really appreciate being here because I know he's in high demand, has a very busy schedule. Roger, welcome to the show. Tyler, I'm delighted uh, to be here. I'm glad to see you back on the air. Uh, You had a long and distinguished career in radio, and I'm glad to see you uh, back uh, in the trenches. Thank you, Roger. And I I have to say thank you to you. Uh, I don't think this would have been possible without your support uh, over the years and with your being able to collaborate with you. Uh, in different ways. And unfortunately, you know, we, I think we were in the trenches together when you were persecuted. Um, and I just want to thank you for all you've done uh, to, to help me along. along. And uh, this is uh, very much to your credit. And it's actually been 10 years. It'll be 10 years in uh, June when you uh, came on the original Tyler Nixon show. And I'm going to be posting those interviews because you uh, really were hitting on all cylinders back then, just as you are now. So, um, well, let's jump, let's jump right into it. I mean, this is some crazy times going on. Um, I, I did catch you on Alex Jones and uh, talking about the Biden um, 
you know, Biden's explosion. But I, I first want to see if you, did you have a chance to watch the uh, Tucker's interview with uh, Putin? I did. I watched every minute of it. I found it extraordinarily compelling. Uh, look, uh, Putin is uh, an authoritarian killer. Let's be clear. He's not some Superman. He's certainly not some small D Democrat. His corruption is almost as outrageous as that of, oh, I don't know, Vladimir Zelensky. So <laughs> this idea that this is somehow in any way having to do with democracy, Zelensky uh, outlaws all the political parties other than his, uh, has postponed elections indefinitely, has arrested everybody who ran against him in the last election, uh, closes radio stations, closes newspapers, arrests journalists, uh, shut down the largest church uh, in the country. Uh, so let's not pretend that Vladimir Zelensky is, uh, pardon me, that uh, Volodymyr Zelensky is some kind of Robin Hood or some kind of good guy. In fact, he I believe he's just an actor who has been retained to play the role of the president for some very wealthy oligarchs in the background who have their own agenda. That said, I think it was refreshing for at least Americans to see the war and the conflict from Putin's point of view and uh, lay out the historical timeline, which which he claimed, as you know, has been one of treachery uh, on the part of the United States. We have continually talked to him about peace, but then we have made moves that end up uh, being warlike and aggressive. Uh, it's really uh, it's really amazing that the opportunity after the fall of the Iron Curtain for lasting world peace, a world peace that Richard Nixon clearly as an advocate for detente foresaw was never fulfilled. Uh, and um, where I disagree with him, obviously, is the dangers of China. I think China is epically dangerous to this country, more dangerous certainly than Russia. But beyond that, the whole thing was just fascinating, really fascinating. Well, I'll tell you what, President Nixon, obviously, uh, triangulation, the strategy of triangulation as he opened the door to China um, and to essentially have the, the Soviets and the Chinese played off against each other was the uh, the model for our 20th century um, and into the 21st century, our, uh, the paradigm for dealing with these superpowers. And we have absolutely blown that. And and I, I, I would venture, and I'll ask you your opinion, what you think of I think Richard Nixon would have viewed Putin as probably one of the greatest uh, leaders of the Russian people that has ever uh, uh, had that held that power. And, you know, you look, you say he's a ruthless killer or he's a killer. The only difference between him and, and say, Barack Obama is that Putin actually went and got his hands dirty in the, you know, in, in actually being in combat and being in those situations. I mean, what, what, what how is George W. Bush, how is Barack Obama any less of a killer? With these drone assassination strikes, with bombing uh, civilians, uh, you know how many Iraq, uh, Iraqis died. So, um, you can at least respect the fact that that Putin was a soldier uh, and and got his hands dirty potentially with the blood of his enemies versus these uh, you know effete, uh, primped and pampered uh, types like Obama who sit behind the uh, the layers of security and 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 insulation from accountability for their crimes, war crimes in some cases, particularly with the Bush Cheney uh, junta. And Putin, uh, you know, they they want to they want to crap all over him in the American media, but it, they look so juvenile. But what do what do you think Richard Nixon would say of this situation and of Vladimir Putin? Well, uh, Nixon, like uh, Putin, I think is uh, what it is very was very thoughtful, as you know. I spent a lot of time thinking about these issues. I think he would see what I see, which was a 
a blown opportunity for world peace. Uh, this this war doesn't make any sense. It is, uh, and I've said this for a while, and I'll get criticized again for saying it. It's not about uh, some desire by Putin to uh, seize and control Ukraine. It's about uh, the provocative actions of the Biden administration in violation of agreements that we signed at both Budapest and Minsk uh, to push Ukraine into NATO, which sounds a lot more benign than it, it is, because what it really means is the mounting of intercontinental ballistic missiles on the ground uh, in Ukraine uh, pointed at Russia. That is what Putin is opposed to. He has warned the West repeatedly that he would not stand for it. But this administration has insisted on pushing forward. That's what precipitated this war, not some territorial uh, aspiration by the Russians. Uh, they feel threatened. I understand how they feel. This is how John Kennedy felt when the Russians mounted missiles 90 miles from our shore in Florida. Uh, and um, as you know, there's a great mysticism that has built up around uh, that. Uh, but in truth, hard negotiations uh, behind the scenes between JFK and Khrushchev, we secretly agreed to remove our missiles from Italy and Turkey, uh, and I think Greece also, uh, in the European theater, in return for a pledge from Khrushchev to remove the missiles from Cuba. So uh, thank God, if we were on the brink of nuclear war, which we may have been, it was resolved diplomatically. But it's not a different situation. Uh, it is, uh, it's interesting how he kept coming back to the 2014 coup, where hmm. this country, where our leadership basically deposed an elected president in order to work our will regarding Ukraine. Yes. No, he absolutely. It, it was striking because Zelensky runs around with his combat bat fatigues, acting as though he's some sort of uh, field general for the Ukrainian uh, in liberation movement from the, the Russians. But he can't he can't, uh, uh, you know, frankly, take a dump. I hate to say it that way without without the uh, you know Victoria Newland and others uh, giving him the approval and signing off on it. And I think that 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 became so clear. But one thing very interesting, first of all, it is frightening that we have no communications, as he indicated, other than his uh, congratulations to Biden when he was like to say they've had no communications with anybody in the American government. That is reckless beyond belief, even the and literally on the brink of nuclear war, the Soviets and the and Kennedy, the Kennedy administration and the American uh, uh, you know diplomats were still in communications. There was at least open channels. I mean, this is just like infantile. This is like this is juvenile, as I said, where they're just shutting their ears. They don't want to hear anything Putin has to say. In a, and they've got this clown, literal almost clown out there blustering around. But like I said, he can't uh, he can't do anything without without approval from the United States. And it's just it's it's really we how far we've fallen. It's sad. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs. But uh, we're going to get into speaking of sad uh, states of affairs. Joe Biden's uh, just meltdown. Uh, and the developments in that, as well as the Supreme Court uh, uh, developments with regard to this insurrection case with Roger Stone on the other side of uh, this commercial break. You're watching the Tyler Nixon show here on today's News Talk. Big news. We do have some big news. Big news, big news. Big news, big news. Yeah. TNT Radio News. Big For news. TNT, this is James O'Neill. During a Thursday evening. 
news conference, President Joe Biden addressed inquiries concerning his memory, which were prompted by comments from special counsel Robert Herr. The U.S. Senate proceeded with a $95.3 billion supplemental bill designed to support Israel, Ukraine, the Indo-Pacific region, and tackle the U.S. fentanyl crisis. In a notable interview with Tucker Carlson, Russian President Vladimir Putin offered insights from a distinctly Russian viewpoint on Eastern European history and accused the CIA of sabotaging the Nord Stream pipeline. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. So I'm here with Roger Stone. Uh, very the high privilege of having him here on the show. Uh, Roger was the first test, was really the test subject for the lawfare, uh, the criminal prosecution as lawfare um, in the in the D.C. District Court, which uh, President Trump has now become the main target for. Um, Roger, what do you make of the developments? Uh, did you have a chance to listen to any of the uh, the uh, oral arguments yesterday or more more uh, succinctly the questioning by the uh, justices? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I guess a couple things struck me. First of all, uh, a better performance by Trump's lawyer on the Colorado issue, on the ballot access issue. Still think he missed a number of cogent and important arguments. Uh, but this one pre seems pretty straightforward to me. Uh, this president has not been convicted of insurrection anyplace. So just because the non-lawyer who's the secretary of state in Colorado, just because it is her opinion that he engaged in insurrection, that's not sufficient to bar him from the ballot. Secondarily, I think uh, uh, the section three of amendment 14 uh, specifically refers to officers of the United States. The courts have already held in a Supreme Court decision, I think actually two, uh, that the president and the vice president for these purposes are not considered officers uh, and therefore would not apply to them. And then, of course, the third argument that is self-executing, it's not self-executing, meaning the Congress would have to pass some supplemental legislation to enact this. Uh, the point, of course, is that the whole thing comes from an anti-democratic impulse uh, by the left. They are the ones who want to cancel democracy. I mean, what could be more anti-democratic than not wanting to have uh, an open election in which your opponent is allowed to run? That's something you would see in uh, Castro's Cuba or Stalin's Russia or, or, or Mao's China. Uh, it is not what we do in the United States. And their, their case is fundamentally flawed. They actually know it. It's amazing how many state Supreme Courts in liberal states like Massachusetts and Michigan uh, have have uh, voided this entire initiative uh, by Norm Eisen and David Brock and the usual suspects. Yeah. They're petrified about Donald Trump in a free, fair, honest, transparent election. They just don't think correctly that they can beat him. So uh, now they seek to cheat by removing him from the ballot. I think that they will be unsuccessful. No question that uh, their definition of democracy is not the same definition, I think, that we have and that is the normal definition. I think if you replace the words our power with democracy, it all makes sense when you when you do that, you know, protect our power instead of protect democracy. The project that uh, sued you and the Trump campaign and the opening uh, the opening uh, sort of skirmishes of this lawfare war that they've been waging against uh against anyone associated with Donald Trump and many people on the right. But no, I would I would absolutely uh, say you're, you're spot on with that. And here's the here's what I, I really I was very impressed with the court as, as someone who's been 
very skeptical, frankly, of our judicial system, uh, you know, having my my illusions if I had any shattered, uh, whether it be as a, you know, a student of the law or a constitutionalist, but they really redeemed themselves in this one. And I, and I think you're absolutely spot on. I think they're going to avoid the insurrection issue entirely and just simply say that the president is not an officer of the United States. End of story. It, it doesn't apply to him. And that'd be the easiest path, which is what they're always going to take the path of least resistance. But one thing that I, I was chafing a little bit as just as you were thinking, why aren't they making these arguments? Why haven't they put forth this, you know, various arguments that you feel like uh, Trump's pe team left off the table. But then when you listen to him, he always spoke in terms of meeting that hurdle. He would say, well, that, that was a, a, you know, a hill too, too far for us or something like that. And this is a very refined form of practice where these guys are actually, they, they don't, they're not going to make arguments where all they need to win is one that will overcome the, you know, that, that either knocks the case out or knocks the, their opponent out. And they, they narrowed it down to, I think, the one that really was the most important, which was the officer. And, and as I said, if they, if that's, if they rule on that, the rest of it's moot. So um, even though it seems like, oh, they should have said this, that, or the other, it, that, that's really, they, they were brilliant because if you look at the Colorado side, they put everything on the table and came unglued under questioning. Uh, the, the thing that did disturb me, though, is that Trump's lawyers seem to be making the argument that the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3, uh, would not prohibit Trump from running for president, but conceding that it might it might prohibit him from being president. Right, uh, from holding office. I don't, know why sure. would, well, I don't know why you would make that argument. It only means that after he wins, they're going to refile this uh, litigation and we're going to revisit this entire issue. By the way, I think they're wrong. Uh, and therefore, I don't know why they would make that argument uh, that that I found somewhat shocking. But, you know, honesty, uh, the president's lawyers often do things that I find extraordinarily <laughs> surprising. I'm a, I'm not an attorney as you are, uh, but I, I am sometimes baffled at some of the things that they do. Uh, I do think the attorney for the president did a good job yesterday, uh, at least covering the arguments that he chose to make. Well, I mean, having chosen Michael Cohen as a one-time counsel, uh, yeah, I can I can agree with you there. I think he's had some very dubious attorneys uh, representing him, and some of them who have just you know turned tail and and immediately uh, turned on him completely in Georgia. Is it Jenna Ellis? Uh, my God, I mean, you know, he's he's had a, he's had quite a range of attorneys working for him, but I think these guys are competent, and they did make those arguments. And I I I was baffled by the fact they were making arguments as though, well, if he wins, then he can go and try to get a, a two thirds majority of Congress to excuse him or to excuse the insurrection. But I think they realized that uh, if, if it's knocked out on the basis of the officer of the United States, then it just doesn't apply to him at all. So that's it's kind of like a, it's sort of a secondary argument. But that being said, uh, go ahead. Uh, more troubling to me uh, is the issue of presidential immunity. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this. Uh, it, 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 it was shocking to see a minute and 58 seconds into his presentation, one of the three judges on the three-judge panel uh, in the Court of Appeals reading a question probably written by Andrew Weissman uh, that <laughs> said, uh, well, uh, if, if Trump ordered SEAL Team 6 to murder his uh, political opponent and then uh, had them uh, assassinate any senator who favored his impeachment, would he have immunity for that? I mean, first of all, it's a hypothetical question. No good trial attorney answers a hypothetical question. Secondarily, there is a better answer. Uh, the president's lawyer was a qualified yes. No, that's incorrect. That, that the, Those actions would fall outside the scope 
of his responsibilities and his authority as president. I don't he don't think he would have immunity for that. But you see the media now sees on that saying oh, Trump believes he can kill his political opponents. That's, I don't think that reflects his view, nor do I think it was a good argument. Uh, I also I'm concerned about the politics of the Supreme Court. We should not pretend there is no politics. I remember Justice Roberts saying they're not Republican justices and Democrats. Yes, there are. Sorry. Yes, there are. Absolutely. And the court takes politics into consideration, even as they say they do not. So um, I could see a situation which they rule for Trump on the issue of uh, of his ballot access, but they rule against him on the basis of his immunity, which I think has extraordinarily profound negative consequences. This means that U.S. citizens killed by drones at the order of Barack Obama uh, means that Obama would be legally liable for those actions. Let's use that as an example. Or uh, a government of, uh, of this administration, which has illegally, I think, surveilled Tucker Carlson, uh, just as Obama illegally surveilled James Rosen of Fox News when he was president, uh, they would now be suable over that. Uh, those are just a few. Just a, I'm sure if we sat here, we could think of a number of other examples. Uh, I don't know how you could do the job as president and make decisions uh, knowing that you may later be able to be held uh, politically liable. I mean, Dick Cheney should theoretically, therefore, since he was the de facto president, uh, he and George Bush would be liable for lying to us about the yellow cake uh, that uh, Saddam Hussein never had or his ties to 9-11, which he also never had. I mean, this opens Pandora's box for the neocons, but they don't seem, they're so manic in their desire to get yeah. Donald Trump, they don't see it. Yeah, no, no, Bush, the Bush-Cheney Jenna would be down for war crimes. Frankly, the drone assassinations of American citizens by Barack Obama, absolutely. They, and, and, you know, I, I was actually, Donald Trump spoke to this immediately after the ruling. He gave a little brief press conference and I heard his remarks and he was just, he was absolutely as crisp on that point as I ever heard him speak to a legal issue when he said, you can't have this. You can't have a presidency if you have this, uh, if you don't have the immunity because you can't make decisions. It, it will be, uh, it will preemptively uh, cause uh, consternation, doubt, and again, opens up these prior presidents to, uh, to prosecute. What I think, Roger, the Supreme Court, if, if they are going to try to screw around with Trump on that front, it will be that uh, they, rather than the touch presidential immunity, they're going to say that what he did did not apply, as you just mentioned. It was not it was not uh, covered by his immunity, so therefore he can be prosecuted. Um, I don't think they're going to touch immunity because they, they understand this, and uh, based on their questioning yesterday, they really get it. I mean, I have to say, even Katanji uh, Brown Jackson did an excellent job. The only holdout I think might be Sotomayor. If if that is going to be an eight to one decision, but otherwise, I'm looking at a nine to zero on this. They they realize it's too important. They can't have the states running around with uh, individual kangaroo courts deciding who's going to run for president. Yeah, I I, I think that um, I had David Schoen on my WABC radio show, which I pre-taped part of this morning. He made that case, I think, uh, very articulately. Um, again, I think we. I think the president wins on ballot access. I don't think he's going to be successful in his challenge that the case against him goes down on the basis of immunity, which means that they will go back to their uh, frantic effort to make sure that he stands trial in D.C. or Florida prior to the election. This is all about the election. It's right. it's election interference, clear and simple. Uh, it's a, they're both complicated cases, but 
I don't know. It just, it, it kind of surprises me. It takes John Durham five years, five long years <laughs> to reach a simple conclusion. That there was no Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. Yet you'll remember special counsel Jack Smith wanted to try Donald Trump this past January, just days ago, uh, you know, last month. Uh, that's That seems kind of uh, quick to me. That just shows you how politically oriented this whole, the whole prosecution is, the whole timeline is. And in the time that Donald Trump's been indicted in multiple states or multiple jurisdictions by this rogue, illegitimate uh, special counsel, the one investigating Biden comes out and just totally clears him on the basis of being demented that he's, uh, you know, he's he's not with it anymore. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it, they're, they're, they're so far over the map. And you absolutely nailed it when you said that it doesn't appear that they care about the principles or any of the fabric of our government that has held it together to such as immunity. They don't care what they burn down as long as they get Trump. We're going to take a quick uh, uh, commercial break here, Roger, um, and we'll be back to discuss what, what Roger sees in the future for a Trump presidency, uh, God willing. You're watching The Tyler Nixon Show on today's News Talk. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Joe Biden is fortunate that Pinocchio is a children's story and not reality, for if it were... His nose would be so long it would stretch not to the moon, not to Mars, not even to Jupiter, but to Pluto and back. Joe's been an inveterate liar his entire life. He lies as though lies were the very oxygen he needs to survive. And now he's told the biggest lie of all, that until November, Americans will know that the border is open because of Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. No, Joe, the border is open because the people that are running you want a permanent Democrat governing majority, and they think that this is the way to get it. It's not. We're going to put an end to all of this, and as the president promised, we're going to see the most amazing and massive deportation effort in American history. We want immigration, but you gotta come here legally. If you're here illegally, there's the door and out the door you go. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped, or cooked incorrectly, and that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. With a compelling perspective on U.S. politics, this is The Tyler Nixon Show on TNT. And you're back uh, watching the Tyler Nixon show. I'm my guest, Roger Stone. And I want to jump right back into our uh, our forward looking uh, topics. Roger, I, I, I wrote on X. And by the way, uh, you, you can find Roger Stone at uh, Roger J. Stone Jr. on X, uh, formerly Twitter. And Roger, where else can uh, where else can the viewers catch up with you and your your excellent content? Well, folks can go, of course, to True Social, where I'm real Roger Stone. Uh, they can go to stonezone.com. That is the center place of everything, Roger Stone. So you can see my daily show, The Stone Zone, there. You can also hear my weekly WABC New York radio show. Yesterday, I debated Anthony Weiner uh, in a right-left confrontation. That was uh, most interesting. Uh, he's a wily smart guy. He's no dummy. Uh, he's uh, you know, he's reading the Democratic Party talking points. Yeah. So 
the open border is Donald Trump's fault. Okay, fine, Anthony. Have a nice day. <laughs> um, it, 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 but uh, so folks Where? can go to stonezone.com. You can subscribe for free. Uh, the store there is the best place to get my epic book about the Kennedy assassination, the man who killed Kennedy, the case against LBJ. Uh, my book, Stone's Rules, uh, with a, a generous foreword by my good friend Tucker Carlson. Uh, the book that probably got me criminally charged, The Clinton's War on Women. Uh, my book on the Bushes, The Bush Crime Family, all available at StoneZone.com in the store. Check it out. Great stuff, definitely. Uh, no, no question. And and Roger, I have to say that uh, you, um, you know, you've you've sort of you've risen pat, you've risen above the persecution you went through, and and God bless you for that. And you know, I'm just I'm really happy to see that you're you're uh, back in sort of the good, well, not, not that you weren't in the good graces, but the, uh, the legal, uh, the legal wedge that was driven between you and president Trump was, uh, unfortunate. Uh, they put you in the position of, of being pursued for phony charges. Um, and, but you know, now that that's passed, even though he's in, he's in jeopardy now, you're not part of that. So I imagine you're, uh, you know, he's drawing on your, uh, your counsel more, right? Is, isn't that true? I mean, I, I'm not going to, you know, ask you to reveal any, any details, but he, you are in touch with him, uh, more regularly now, aren't you? I'm 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 in touch with him. He's uh, 50 minutes up the road. Uh, I have no formal role uh, in his campaign. Um, my counsel is sometimes sought, sometimes followed, other times not. You know, it's always been my policy not to talk about private conversations. Uh, it is a it is a little annoying, however, that the mainstream media jackals don't stop with their crap. So. Uh, two weeks ago now, three media I, uh, owned by one of the refugees from MSNBC published what they claimed was an audio file of me, in which they claimed that I had threatened the lives of two Democratic congressmen. It has now been analyzed by no fewer than four experts, uh, and it's a complete fraud. It is an AI-generated uh, file. And uh, the woman who wrote the story, her her transcription doesn't even match the file that, that that they posted that's how sloppy this hit piece is however you know how this works cnn msnbc the guardian without ever doing any due diligence or examining this phony audio file jumped to the conclusion that it that it must be real and the fbi and the capitol hill police should investigate right there's nothing to investigate it's a fraud that's this right. is uh, ai is a very dangerous thing you've seen it very recently, a, a fake robocall and Joe Biden's vice voice to voters in New Hampshire, uh, the estate of George Carlin now suing uh, two uh, online personalities for creating a, an hour long stand up comedy routine in the voice of George Carlin, who is, of course, quite dead. So uh, this is uh, the wave of the future. Uh, say People say, well, don't let it bother you. No, actually, the problem is if you do not address it, then lunatics begin to believe that it's true. Uh, it has no truth to it whatsoever. Well, you know, I, I have to say this. Um, first of all, the the filmmakers, uh, well, well, it's curious though, if, if you were really threatening a Congress, uh, anyone, any official in government, why would this woman sit on this tape for, what was it, when it took place supposedly four, in 2018? Years, the tape is alleged to be four years, four years old, but- Yeah, it's such an urgent, yeah, you're so such a threat. She had to wait four years to release it. I mean, give me a break. But I, I would say this, Roger, even if you had said those things and, and you know, obviously I, I will 
you know, believe you 100%. I mean, I've never heard you uh, utter uh, threats to to Congress people or anybody. But, uh, you know, even if you did, so the hell what? The, the Democrats say 10 times worse. And frankly, you know, with, with what you were being put through, you would be totally justified in, in wishing death on them. I frank, th- frankly think some of these people should be hanged for treason. Uh, so, you know, there am I, am I threatening them? Do I want to assassinate them? But but, you know, that being said, it is a cheap way of uh, it's a very disgusting tactic and it's uh, it's just transparently garbage. So I'm glad you were, had a chance no, nobody, to address that. Nobody should be hanged without being put through a proper trial in which they well, are right. convicted. Of course, of course, of course. Just to be clear. Yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. but the whole thing is <laughs> it, it is just I'm clickbait. Yeah. At my advanced age. I'm now to the point in my age where if you can say anything you want about me, talk to some of the best defamation attorneys in the country. They, of course, all want a large retainer check. Nobody will take this action uh, on contingency because they realize, given the nature of the current defamation laws, once you're a public figure, they can, you know, say that you eat dog crap and there's nothing you can really do about it. So uh, it is uh, it's outrageous. But it's about the clicks. They're making money off of me because deranged left-wing lunatics will believe anything whatsoever. And oh, here's a here's a story about Roger Stone trafficking with GRU. Well, that never happened either. But you can go on Twitter right now and find a half dozen people who are recycling that lie yet again. That's the thing about the American left, by the way. Doesn't matter how thoroughly some idea is debunked or disproved if you just wait a couple months they'll come back and recycle it yet again as if they never heard uh, your response to it or as if they don't know the facts it's kind of like Ari Melber on MSNBC insisting that I should be charged in Georgia when I have nothing to do whatsoever with the efforts to to challenge the election in Georgia I don't know other than Rudy Giuliani I don't think I know anybody uh charged in that action i know nothing about it wasn't involved in the uh, uh in the efforts to delay the electoral college vote no i'm sorry i was never in any war room in the willard hotel you can say it as many times as you want but it's just not true even the new york uh, even the, the washington post had three separate uh, sources say uh, that there was a war room but stone was never in it and he wasn't involved in the efforts to forestall uh, the electoral college vote. Now, I'm not an attorney. I'm not sure that what they were doing was illegal, uh, but we shall see, I guess. Uh, but they, again, they want they want to airbrush you into the narrative where they want you to be without any regard for the facts. My favorite one, just three weeks ago, prior to the election, Stone urged Trump to enact the Insurrection Act. Technically <laughs> true. A year earlier, when BLM and Antifa was burning down half the country, I did think, yes, the president should consider evoking the Insurrection Act as George H.W. Bush did around the L.A. Rodney King riots. That's exactly. right. Yep. You see the impression we're trying before the election, like they're trying to imply that is in connection with the election. Of course, that's not what I said. Well, Roger, I was right there with you. I mean, you you had me edit and, and work on uh, a particular piece that you put out predicting the election thieving thieving that was going to go, going to go on the fraud and you never talked about it. I mean none of this there was no talk of insurrection there's no talk of anything outside of legal processes legitimate legal processes and frankly pushing back against the criminality of these dents and you, you you nailed it they're thick Roger they they 
no matter what you uh, you could you could put every bit of reality in front of them. You could you know hold their eyes open like Clockwork Orange, and they're still going to revert back to whatever their dogma is, whatever their uh, the, the it's part of their identity. It's almost like a uh, personality disorder, and it's just the same way with like frankly Marxists. You know how many hundreds of millions of people had to be killed by communism and collectivism in this world, and they're still at it. They're still trying to implement this garbage because it comes down to the fact that they're petty. Uh, control freak pygmies who really just get off on having control over situations and being able to have the ability to smear up, smear you up. And it's, it's creating the smoke, the miasma around you with this constant stream of garbage and insinuation to where people who just sort of glancingly listen to it suddenly think, well, oh, Roger Stone, I've heard of him. Is he, isn't he that criminal who, whatever, you know, because they've heard it and uh, drummed in their They're very clever with propaganda. And let's face it, I think that's their only forte and the only thing that's gotten them where they are. Looking forward to the future, a future Trump presidency. We only have about four minutes left, three minutes left. How does Donald Trump keep enough deep state uh, apparatchiks out without completely isolating himself uh, and sort of keep his uh, his ranks pure? Because he was totally run over uh, by subversives and infiltrators in the first uh, the first term. Uh, look, I, I think he went to Washington, not coming from the world of politics, and perhaps he was a little naive. He admitted this himself in this great interview he gave to Maria Bartiromo the other day on Fox. Yep. Today, however, he's a different person. So I would argue, despite uh, the quizlings around him, he still pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accords. He still canceled the Iranian nuclear deal. He still built the most robust economy in our history. He still rebuilt our military strength. He still appointed conservatives to the bench. I guarantee you we had advisors tell him that he couldn't do any of those things, but he did them anyway. Uh, and he still goes down as one of our greatest presidents, even if he, he doesn't return Grover Cleveland style to another term, which I think he's going to. That said, however, I think it was a, a very expensive education. I think he now understands that a number of our institutions uh, within the government, including our intelligence services and certain sections of law enforcement, uh, are not the unbiased, uh, 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 fair-minded uh, uh institutions they're supposed to be. So I think there's going to be a much higher premium now on appointing men and women who are not just Republicans, but more importantly, who are committed to the America First agenda, to the MAGA populist agenda. Uh, Trump, uh, he's fully awake now. Uh, and, and nothing can do that like being charged with 91 counts in a phony indictment and facing 600 years in jail. It, uh, it kind of wakes you up, I guess. No question. And and look, I think he's so dangerous because he had he accomplished so much in spite of their throwing everything they could at him uh, and, and in unprecedented ways. I mean, what they've done to him is despicable. One of the biggest mistakes he made, Roger, in my opinion, in the first presidency was not having Roger Stone in there as his personal counsel, as a White House counsel, whatever have you. And I would hope and pray, frankly, that when the Trump presidency number two comes into being, Roger Stone will be right there with the president because you know how to call him. You know how the situation rolls and uh, would be his best advisor. Closing thoughts, Roger, in our last uh, 20 seconds here. Sure. I'm not certainly not seeking any position uh, in government. All I want is for him to return to the White House and make this country great again. Yes, it is possible. Am I concerned about election fraud? Yes, I am. But do not assume that there are no plans, both legal and technical, to deal with that in a more sophisticated way than uh, you know three years ago three years and change ago because that would not be the case 
I, I'm growingly optimistic of victory. That's my final Thank line. you. Well, Roger, have a great weekend. Everybody out there, have a great weekend. This has been the Tyler Nixon Show. We'll see you next week.